Welcome back to Canucks Talk here on Sportsnet 650. Thomas Rance with you. We are live from the Kintech studio. 650-650 is the Dunbar Lumber text line. Dunbar Lumber with three stores to serve you in Ladner on Bridge Street or Dunbar Lumber Express at Ladner Center or Arbutus in Vancouver online at DunbarLumber.com. Nothing like the uh, the pre-show coffee order hitting in the break of the first set. Oh, yeah. Clutch. That was awesome. Clutch uh, from our guy, Dimitri. W- both of us were just like, oh, oh, oh yeah, let's go. Like, you guys were so pumped so when I brought it in there. I love iced coffee. I don't know what it is. It's refreshing. Hot coffee, it's like, whatever, it's fine. I'm a a hot pinch, coffee I'll guy. have it. No, I'm all iced coffee all I, the time. Uh, when I lived in Florida, even, every morning, like 30 degree heat, hot coffee. See, I'm the opposite. If I lived in, like, the Yukon, dead of winter, I'd be like, get me that iced coffee. Yeah, Get me enough. that iced latte. I like iced coffee, too, but uh, it's just a different thing for me. I can't start my day with something cold, unless it's a glass of water. No. See, it's, all, it's the only thing I need. <laughs> or, or, like, an... um. One of those polar swims that you then post on Instagram Ugh. to show that you're health conscious. Ugh. <laughs> Hate that. Do you really? I, I, I'm not a big fan of like purposely making yourself uncomfortable so that you can say that you made yourself uncomfortable. Yeah, but it's such a, it's so relaxing afterwards. Yeah. I'm a big but fan I of would that. Ju- I don't, see, I guess I don't have a problem relaxing. Right. So it's just like, well, I was just relaxed the whole time. I didn't need to make myself uncomfortable to then relax after. Yeah, I like a, I like a shock to the system. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, fair enough. Um, okay, before we get into uh, more Canucks talk, a reminder, it is Food Bank Friday today. We're trying to raise $100,000. Uh, we're just up over $50,000. Two ways you can donate. Visit the events page at sportsnet.ca slash 650 uh, to donate using the secure Greater Vancouver Food Bank portal. Or you can donate by emoji. So you text to 30333. So not our text line, but the number 30. 30- Three three three. A carrot emoji is five dollars. A banana is ten dollars. A heart is twenty five dollars. Three zero three three three. For those emojis, food bank has buying power of two to one. We have two anonymous donors matching donations right now, uh, so that means you get four to one buying power for your donations, and they are much needed at this time of year. So if you can help, we would really, really appreciate it. And I'll have an update on the number later on in the show. So as I mentioned. Uh, earlier in, in our in our first segment, right? You know, when when this was really getting going, when the momentum was really building for the Canucks, I said, "Hey, check back in January." I'm not saying do it yet, but let's revisit this in January. And if the good times are still rolling, then this everything has to be on the table in terms of aggression, in terms of first round picks, in terms of prospects. You have to look at leaning into this, at trying to capture lightning in a bottle here, and doing something to really improve this team. I disagreed with you then. You disagreed with me then. Now, we're, I understand the calendar has not flipped to January. I am fully aware of that. But look, there's six games away from it being January. These last four games, one in terms of how they've looked, especially in the last three, but also just they're in such a strong position in the standings now, right? That, you know, in October, late October, it was like, well, there's still a situation where they could be scrapping for a playoff spot. Absolutely. Right now, it's not impossible, but it no. feels a lot more remote. Now they managed to go 500 when they had like a mini downturn and then they got hot again. Yeah. And now they've really solidified. I mean, they're yeah. top five in the NHL by point percent. They have a stranglehold on a playoff Number spot. one by point differential. Number one by regulation wins. Like there's no indicator you can look at that would compellingly tell a story about this team in my opinion crashing and burning you 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 know you can look and 
at indicators. You can look at the fact that they're not quite elite under the hood and say, hey, they're maybe not a contender. But the conversation at this point is not the Canucks. Are the Canucks good? I think they've settled that. Yeah. And I think it, there's an advantage to having that happen early in the season, right? To Because now you have a little bit of time and you have a little bit of space to kind of survey the market like think about okay what do we need when are we going to be healthy all these things you're manage not your in ice that time manage your ice time workload you're not in that stress of of fighting for the playoff spot and I think again even though you know I understand it's only December 15th here so I'm not quite at the January deadline I self-imposed but I think it's time to at least start considering what it would look like to really decide to go all in on this season and you know mm. the case i want to make here is fundamentally the future is chaotic and unknowable and i know that's like a heavy philosophical thing to say but you're speaking my language you always think like te- this always happens to teams where they have a breakthrough and you think it's the start right mm. And I think about two teams, and sometimes it is. You know, you go back to, like, the Blackhawks when they broke through or, you know, the Kings with their young talent. their best players were, like, second-year ELC guys, but sure. Yeah, no, but, like, sometimes – I'm not saying it's comparable, but sometimes the breakthrough is the start of a window. But you can kind of tell. Yeah. But I think there's two teams I've been thinking about a lot. One is the 2017-2018 Winnipeg Jets, okay? They go to the conference finals. They lose to Vegas that year. But play an awesome series against the Nashville Predators that was – that was actually probably the real Western Conference final or like the real Stanley Cup final. Mm. Like I think once those teams beat each other up to the point that Winnipeg was vulnerable when they got to Vegas, um, I think that effectively sealed Ovi's Stanley Cup. But you look at the young talent that was on that Winnipeg Jets team, right? Patrick Laine was 19. Nick yep. Ehlers was 21. Shifley, 24. Kyle Connor was 21. Josh Morrissey, 22. Jacob Truba, Jeez. 23. Connor Hellebuck was 24. Yeah, And that happens, and you break through the conference finals, and you know what the conversation was in Winnipeg. It's like, oh, man, we are set up. Like We are going to be a force in the Western Conference for years to come with this group. They've won one playoff series since then. They've won one playoff series since that breakthrough. Was it a real playoff series? It was. It was was a real playoff series. Because they lost in the bubble. Year before that in the West, the Nashville Predators of 2016-2017, they go to the Stanley Cup Final. All four of their top scorers on that team, 26 or under, right? Guys like Victor Arvidsson, Ryan Johansson, Philip Forsberg's only 22, Roman Yossi's 26. They have a 27-year-old P.K. Subban, a 26-year-old Ryan Ellis. And you're looking at it, you're thinking, okay, hey, like, not super young, not the same collection of young talent as Winnipeg, but, hey, that's a three-, four-, five-year window with these guys still at least in the tail ends of their primes, if not right in their primes in the case of some of them. This is set up. This is the beginning of our window. They've won one playoff round since then, since that moment. Okay? And that's with transitioning from Pekka Rene to UC Saros, like, pretty seamlessly within there. Sometimes you have that one moment. You have that one shot, to quote, to quote Eminem, for some reason. I didn't think I was going to do that. Do not miss your chance. <laughs> do not to... miss your chance. Is it blow? I think so. Yeah, which I don't really know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> but we know that this opportunity comes once in a lifetime. Yeah, exactly. Or it can, at least. At least, it's, at the very least, that's a possibility. I'm not saying that's a guarantee. So you're saying? I'm not saying it's a guarantee that this is a one-year window here. But I think it's at least a possibility. Right. Right? And when you consider just how many things are going right for this team, how many things are cresting all at the same time, 
the way Thatcher Demko is performing, Quinn Hughes leveling up, Elias Pettersson, JT Miller, Brock Besser bouncing back, Connor Garland finding his role on this team, the depth they've assembled, a lot of it on one-year deals, right, that are UFAs, Teddy Bluer, Dakota Joshua's a UFA, Sam Lafferty's a UFA, Ian Cole's a UFA. We all know the situation with Elias Pettersson. We all know the situation with Philip Ronick. If you think you're really, if you think you're leg- a legitimately a good team, and there are moves out there, and there's a move available to you that lets you add a high end player, I absolutely think first round pick Jonathan Karamaki, Tom Volander, Hunter Brustevich, whatever you want to throw in there, do it. Is it going to be? Are you going to have a better chance than this? Do you know for how confident are you that you're going to have a better chance than right now? in the next two, three, four seasons that you're saving those assets for. I'm not saying it's an impossibility, but it's not a guarantee either. And it's a mistake to think that it is a guarantee that there'll be a better chance. Hashtag free the mom spaghetti. <laughs> you're making Hashtag such, mom spaghetti. You're making such a sophisticated argument, and I'm just like, this is a perfect analogy. Because, this reminds me of 8 Mile. Because everyone wants the Canucks to wear a sweater that looks like you vomited your mom's spaghetti on your on your sweater. Anyway, your your argument effectively boils down to you better lose yourself in it. Yeah. The <laughs> moment you lose own yourself it. in the moment. You better never it. let it go. That's right. Look, I can see the argument. I think the most compelling parts of the argument are the uncertainty on the Pedersen and Heronic file. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm not saying that to be like again sensationalist or overdramatic, but you don't know where those contracts come in at. You do know that they're going to be significantly pricier than the cap hits currently on the books for those players. It's going to definitely be hard to have this much quality depth, especially up front, after mm-hmm. this season. But like also in goal, right? Like the way With DeSmith's Smith, played. Yeah. That's been a big edge. Um, even on defense, right? I mean, you have three guys, three lefties making three million plus. Yep. Out you know, behind Quinn Hughes, yeah, obviously. Well, yeah. and, and like you have Myers expiring, but if you did want to keep him and he has played well of late, that Zadorov Myers pair has been way calmer than I expected. Like yep. that's that's gotta be the most shocking thing of the Canucks last six games. Like, I really thought that that pair would be far more chaotic. They've been super contained. The chillness of Zadorov Myers. It's true. It has been zero chaos. I expected mass, max chaos, and it's been zero chaos. They, like, canceled each other out somehow. Yeah. (laughs) Weird. Maybe they were both, like, so on on their toes. You're like, okay. I really, I, I got a little when I partnered with this guy, and they both just settled down so they're, much. They're they're eyeing each other like Mr. Burns and Homer in the cabin, the buried <laughs> cabin. You know, like yeah. neither trusts the other. So yeah. Uh, anyway, you know, I I can see like that's the best part of your argument is it is actually going to be Rutherford, for example, this week was like I think we might be at the opening of a window, and I of the of the many things he said, that's like number one thing I'd fade in addition to. The we have a uh, a lot of time with Pedersen because we have his rights beyond next season. Like I think that's a situation that comes to uh, to a head far sooner than that. But you know, it is going to be hard to continue to improve incrementally, especially given you know some of the things that this team's relying on to have these types of results tend to be a little bit more ephemeral. Uh, they're number one in the NHL in shooting percentage. Guess who was number one in the NHL in shooting percentage last year? It was the Seattle Kraken. How's it looking for them offensively this mm-hmm. year? Right, like you can't count on. That sort of thing. You can't count on the health that this team has had. Um, so, you know, there are some things trending in a direction where I, I see what you're saying and I can get behind the logic. Here's my concern. 
As everyone knows, I haven't sold a lick of my Edmonton Oilers stock. In fact, I bought the dip. Yeah. The Canucks have the highest combined save percentage and shooting percentage at five on five that we've ever seen in the NHL through 30 games, right? 105. They are, you know, head, shoulders, all the way, like belly buttons taller than everyone else. And no, no one else in the NHL is even like it's Muggsy Bogue standing beside Sean Bradley in terms of the fortunate bounces that the Canucks have enjoyed overall. There are things that are legit about this team. Absolutely. The defensive play, the star level talent, the power play, the goaltending, like some really important strengths that this team has that I believe in and think will be durable over 82. But there's also a real probability that, you know, number one in the NHL by goal differential, for example, would be like significantly overheated still. Mm -hmm. Right. If Edmonton's legit, if Vegas is legit, if L.A. is legit. And if Vancouver's profile is somewhat propped up by good fortune, even if this team really is like whale team good, but whale team lucky has sort of been my stance on this team. I think we've now hit that 30 games mark. I'm now prepared to say whale team good, whale team lucky. It is actually possible to be both at the same time. Right. And I think they are. Yeah. Is there a chance that this is still the fourth best team in their own division? There's a chance, but I don't think I, I. Is there a probability? that this is still the fourth best team in their own division. I, I might even be willing to accept that, although I don't think the margin is that would be that massive in that case necessarily. But again, I'm not ta- I'm talking about trying to improve the team for this year, right? I understand. To, so to make it much more plausible that you beat LA, that you beat Vegas, that you beat Edmonton in a in a in a playoff series, right? Like I'm talking about okay, giving so then, them a legitimate chance to do that. So then what's that piece look like like are, are we talking about a top no, six caliber forward yes at least so i like and which, i don't think which, i don't which, know that this is even possible which also means you're subtracting right because yep. you're not bringing in a player like that cap neutral no so you, it's, you're losing a myers real garland a kuzmenko type because of the cap i level. think realistically what it would be or like if i'm just trying to map this out kind of ideal ideal world to get this team really positioned to do damage in the playoffs it's Myers out, top six forward in, and then another an additional right-handed, right-handed defenseman. defenseman. Now it doesn't have to be a top Only four one? defenseman. Only one, probably like two. Okay, because that's good. A good third pairing right-handed defenseman to replace Tyler Myers. Because that's the problem. You reallocate Myers' cap space. You also blow a hole in your top four, and he's playing a lot right now. Yeah, you know, I mean the the. The the Myers problem is shifted from this guy's playing badly to if you want to upgrade can you afford over to replace this, him right and well and and or yeah, can I mean, the like the Ethan Bear missing out on Ethan Bear hurts for sure it does because yeah. if you get Ethan Bear in you have Carson Susi coming back you move Myers Julesen's you bring playing in, well right, legitimately you bring in you, you know you try to use that cap space to bring in a top six forward like then I think you're really talking about something now and I and I admit like this I'm not saying this is an easy path forward and the reason I bring up the first round picks the Volanders, the Brustevichs, the Lakaramakis is because when you talk about, like, if you're trying to clear the full freight of Tyler Myers and then go make, make significant ads, that's a big asset haul going out. I'm well aware of that. I'm fully, fully aware of, of how many assets you're sending out. And maybe the cost ultimately comes too high. I, I get that. Or the right difference-making piece doesn't shake loose. Because I think for me that that's would be... That's a possibility, too. For me, that would be it. Like, at the end of the day, what I feel like this team... Could if the thing that would put this team over the edge in my estimation 
would be JT Miller. Now, they already on, have JT Miller. Another JT Miller? They already have JT Miller. But ideally, you'd get another one. <laughs> now, that's a tough thing to do. But but here's what I mean. If you play, like, one thing when I watch this team play that I think they need, especially as I watch Pedersen play with Lafferty and Mikheyev, and think about what the other best players in the league have, I often think, man, what they really need is another top-line winger. But JT Miller could easily be a star-level winger. So, yeah. If you moved him to the wing, in which case you'd need a star-level center. We were talking about this on the show yesterday about, like, the perfect winger ad next to Petey. And, and you were saying scoring. And I was like, yeah, but I want it to be more of a complete player with, like, some grit, but also the high-end skill. And then, this show and then ended, we got and off the like, air, and I was like, wait, I'm talking about JT Miller. Yeah. <laughs> That's who I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> well, and we've talked before about cloning the guy. Yeah. But then who was the guy that, like, uh, someone in the inbox said they would, they would clone? It was like. No, it was me. I was like, you have two Noah Juleson's in the lineup. <laughs> oh, yeah. And <laughs> or two like, Mark Friedman. And I was like, aim higher, man, with who you're trying Why to Why did clone. you use the clone machine on that? <laughs> what are we doing? <laughs> oh, man. Anyway, the um, but you, you know what I'm saying? Like, I think it's a forward. If you were to add one piece, I think it's a forward. And I think it has to be that level of player either at center so that Miller becomes a star-level winger or a star-level winger and you and you keep the center depth as is, that's a tough piece to add, mm-hmm. cap neutral. Um, and, and I mean, who would even be among your targets? Like, I, th- I feel like the deadline targets we're going to be looking at or talking about here are going to be like Adam Henrique, you know, so who one certainly name, does not fit the bill. One name that comes to mind, and somebody texted it in, Jordan Eberle? Well, Jordan Eberle is an interesting one on, on the wing. But the name that comes to mind is uh, Lindholm out of Calgary. Pending UFA. Sure. That team is really struggling. Can play wing, can play center. Not a, a big right-handed cap, guy. Not a big cap number. You move him. like you. Then you really have flexibility. You put him at center. You know he can handle defensive minutes. You move JT to the wing, or you play him on the wing with JT, and that all of a sudden you're really confident about the shutdown potential of that line. And look. Elias Lind- all these cat, all these things I'm saying about Elias Lindholm to make him so attractive, it's going to make him expensive. Yeah. But I guess my point is, if there's a true difference maker on the market like that, and you think you can fit him in, or you find a way you can think him in, or you can fit him in, you should be willing. I'm at the point now where if it's that type of player, right, and it checks so many boxes for you, that it's not it's not getting ahead of yourself to go trade a bunch of assets to pay the price that you would have to pay to get him out of Calgary. I'm I'm okay with it, but I think the competition's too stiff and I'd certainly want to see this team sustain this for a little bit longer, just especially given my confidence that that some of their results remain the product of favorable bounces. Like especially the 5 on 5 offense. Mm-hmm. I, I I really do want to see how this team looks running uphill before I before I'd sort of do that here's the last thing you know we talk a lot about this organization's last year we talked a lot about this organization's refusal to rebuild okay here's the other thing that this organization historically hasn't done like this organization has historically focused on creating a durable contention window to make the playoffs year after year as opposed to taking those all-in shots like you know, you look at the Mike Gillis era and one of the defining traits of the of this team's operational M.O. when they were a cup contender was, well, they picked in the first round in yep. 2009. They picked in the first round um, 2011. in 20, right, in 2011. Yeah, in 2012. In 2012. 
in 2013 twice. Mm-hmm. In so two, in 2008, I believe as well. In 2008 sure. with yep. Hodgson. Yep. So yeah, I mean, aside from the that one draft, the 2010 draft where they didn't pick until the fourth round, like every year this team was picking in the first round. They weren't doing the Jim Rutherford. No. To liquidate all your picks because Crosby's 33 now and we got to go win one. Um, and and I, I don't think that's a coincidence. Like, I think this organization wants to make the playoffs above all else. Like, that's their priority. They want to make the playoffs. They want to predictably make the playoffs if they can and if they can create a window where they make the playoffs every year. Like, that's what you're looking for, that whiff of hope as opposed to the the more credible cup shot. That's the other thing, the other factor to wrestle with here is now that they've got the uh, NHL's, like, foremost – you know, stand up at the table and push your chips in GM, does that outweigh right. decades of reluctance to avail yourself of the cyclical momentum that exists within in the NHL system in both rebuilding but also in going for it? Yeah. I just think with the uncertainty, with the uncertainty that's coming after this season right in the form of and look hey maybe Elias Patterson signs an extension in January and that and that's not a talking point someone asks does Phil Kissel meet your requirements for top six forward he didn't play (laughs) he didn't play for Vegas in the the cup final you're you're joking to me right like this is someone else (laughs) trying to mess with me I'm I'm pretty sure Uh, anyway it's a fun discussion and something that's interesting to think about once again as last t- last time we brought this up, and we'll do it again. I'm sure we'll do oh, it like we every week closer well, to the look, trade deadline. I just don't. I want the I, way I the season no. is going. I don't want to be looking back at the end of it and like it's it's what you know the third week of April and the team is out in the first round of the playoffs and Elias Pettersson's not unsigned or not resigned. You know what I mean? Like, and I think it's worth spending a lot of assets to try to avoid that scenario to try to make sure this team can win a round or two in the playoffs to like capitalize on what you have going and the fit this team has and the depth they have, the cheap depth they've been able to acquire that they might not be able to sustain. Like again, just all I'm saying is sometimes opportunity knocks, right? And you're there and you're, you got to recognize it and it's tough. It's risky. There's costs, but you got to go for it. And I think we're getting, if we're not there right now, we are very, very close to that moment for the Vancouver Canucks here. Uh, lots of good feedback coming in. 650, 650. Eh. <laughs> no, I think it's great. Uh, 650, 650 like, to the Dunbar like, I'll let you have the line. last word, but I'm getting the last sigh in. <laughs> uh, we'll continue that conversation on the other side. Dmitry Filipovich joins us at 1.30. As always, we'll, uh, we'll decide what to draft at some point here. Too. I suggested drafting fake sharps in yeah. honor of Brandon Staley I, I, getting fired. I'm vetoing it. I know. Well, me and Dim both you agreed both immediately. You were too excited on... about the first overall pick. Yeah. <laughs> so, and that, at that point, it was like, okay. Yeah. If our draft list is identical, there's no, no clash. Uh, all right. It is... Canucks talk here on Sportsnet 650. Final hour of the show coming up here on the home of the Canucks, Sportsnet Welcome back to Canucks Talk Sportsnet 650. Jamie Dodd, Thomas Strantz here with you. Canucks Talk brought to you by Avenue Machinery. 
and Douglas Lake Equipment. Be a champion on the worksite. Find them together online at D-L-E-A-M-C dot com. We are coming to you live from the Kintech studio. Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. And uh, lots of thoughts coming in. 650-650 to the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. Uh, this one comes in. Usually I would agree and say, yes, go all in, but I don't think that's a good idea by giving away players like Volander and LeCaramacchi. I wouldn't do that at all. It's just way too risky just to go all in for this year. I would make the team better, but giving away, uh, but giving any of those two away just for this one year isn't worth it. And the thing for me is that you'd have to be talking about a legitimate high-end impact player, right? Obviously, to make your first-round pick being in play, future first-round picks, your top prospects in play, it has to be a difference maker. And, you know, I completely understand uh, the the fear of doing that, right? But I also just have this vision of, you know, okay, you hold on to all of your future assets right now, and then in two or three years, they're joining the team, but JT Miller isn't as effective as he once was. You know, maybe Quinn Hughes isn't quite at his peak. Who knows what Thatcher Demko's status is at that point. It's beyond contract. And, do they come just to kind of keep you in the playoff mix rather than arriving to put you over the top as a contender? That's my concern, right? That they're going to arrive too late to push this team over the top as a contender and instead just be like, okay, we're just kind of sustaining here in in the middle rather than taking helping them take that leap forward. That's a worthwhile consideration given that, you know, this team's second or third best player is 30 already, right? Yeah. Um, given that Pedersen and Hughes don't have, like, Five years left in their statistical primes. They'll still be extremely really, really, really good. Wrong. Yeah. I don't want to. I don't want to trigger everybody with my statistical primes rant. But you know, the let's, statistical. Let's get prime... Dolly Wall on the phone. You can tell. <laughs> you can mention it to him. Poopa. I still have no idea what that means. <laughs> I think he's just trying to say poo poo. You're poo pooing on them. I know, but but he said poopa for some reason. <laughs> I mean, how do you mispronounce poo poo? <laughs> That's like the first word anyone learns. That's a great question. <laughs> oh, I love that man. Um, <laughs> oh boy, I don't know how I'm gonna get make it together. It get it I together. Know. We'll be all right. They they made him read one of my tweets on my Donnie and Dolly hit, and he got to the word um, uh, magnanimous. <laughs> oh boy. Oh man, it was so good. <laughs> I thought he was um, <laughs> like trying to it, d explain or like pronounce the word of an obscure dinosaur from the Crustaceous period. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, okay, so the thing about adding a difference making piece is you have to subtract to do it. it has to be money in, money out because of yep. the club's cap position. For me, honestly. The thing that would really open up an avenue where I think it would be a more realistic consideration would be one of those long-term injuries. Right. You well, know, like, somebody Tanbeer texted in, just do some sketchy LTIR stuff. Well, and, and I hate to say that Tanbeer had a good take because he's had some brutal ones today in the inbox and, you know, for the last 10 years. But that's right. That's the right way of looking at this. Like, you know, I especially, think... Uh, especially with the cushion they've built up. Yeah. Because that's one of the things with, like, when people are, like, whining about Tampa or, or Vegas doing it or whatever, it's like, okay, great. Well, take, and you know I don't buy it. Yeah, no, I don't buy it either. But it's like, great, take take $9 million of your salary commitments out of your lineup and see how you do for the year. 
Right. Teams are reluctant to do it because they need those guys to actually get to the playoffs. They were in a position where they had the luxury of being able to do it because they knew they were going to be there. And arguably the Canucks do too. So, you know, at some point you walk through and talk to the medical staff and see what elective surgeries that have a six to eight week timeline, um, you know, might be, uh, might be feasible. Um, so yeah, I mean, I could see something like that changes now the equation. Now we're thinking. Now that we're talking. That changes the equation for me. But like, you know, for example, we had a text message uh, in that suggested like Lindholm plus Tanev. Let's the go. Dream package. Right? Let's you go. Get, you get a versatile right-handed yeah. forward. It gives you a right-handed guy to play on the draw. Lindholm's defensively responsible. Could slot on a power play one. Um, could play with Pedersen. Could play with Miller. Could allow you to play Pedersen with Miller. Like there's all sorts yep. of things that that opens up. And then Chris Tanev, you bring the spiritual, like a spiritual leader, a, a, a shaman, a talisman in, into the organization. Um, you know, someone who's been a fan favorite even in his absentia for four years and, and really for 10 years, 15 years since he made his debut for this franchise. So, you know, you address your right side depth, you address your forward things. If it costs you Myers and Kuzmenko, like you're better, probably. You're definitely better. That's a clear upgrade. Lindholm and Tanev over Myers and Kuzmenko. It's a clear upgrade, but yeah. it's not as big an upgrade as just adding Tanev and No, Lindholm. it's not. It's not. Because you're subtracting, you know, Kuzmenko's goal scoring, his utility at the net front, um, you know, the the efficiency that he brings generally, and you're subtracting Myers, who, you know, I, I at least see as like a guy who can really, really help you in a prescribed role. Mm-hmm. You know, for for so that that mitigates it. It to me where it would change the equation was if you had the ability to exceed the cap by a certain predictable amount and, and knew that you'd, you'd get whoever you're replacing, quote-unquote, back for game one or game two of the postseason. Then I think you're cooking with oil. Uh, aside from that, I just think it's going to be really tough to make the sort of incremental upgrades required. And given this team's positioning in a really tough Pacific division at the top end, albeit not through sort of the middle, as I expected coming into this year, um, you know, I, I think you have to be careful. Like you have to be careful about paying the premium price to, for marginal upgrades, which become exactly what you have to do when you're really close. Right. I, I just don't see this team being at that stage yet. I, and I understand that. And I, they're not a clear cut, you know, like I'm trying to think of who, whichever team would be in that window now, right. Vegas. Or even like, like Vegas, Colorado, or, you know, uh, Toronto last year. Right, yeah. where it's like, hey, we're really good. We haven't had success. Let's go out and well, get Ryan Well, Tampa Bay with Tanner Janot. Yeah. Like where, where you trade an entire draft class for like a supporting piece uh, or, you know, in previous years, two firsts for Brandon Hagel or Joseph and a first for Nick Paul. And it's like those prices make no sense unless you're absolutely right there going for it. Uh, a first for Barkley Gaudreau. Remember people had sticker shock about that? Mm-hmm. A first for Blake Coleman. Right? Like. Those sorts of deals, because that's what deadline prices get to, and they get they get to that point because the teams that are really close, there's almost no price you shouldn't pay for a marginal upgrade when you're when you're at that level. I don't see the Canucks as a team that's at that level yet. But I don't think, for example, Lindholm, even if it costs you Kuzmenko out of the lineup, I think that's more of a marginal upgrade. Like, I think that fits so much better in your top six, right? Like, if it was just a pure marginal upgrade. Okay, Rick, talk it. <laughs> no, I think that's a huge upgrade. <laughs> no, I I, I mean, really – it is. I, I love Elias Lindholm. Yeah, I'm, and I really like Chris Tanev too, right? So, 
you're right. Like they're definitely not. I would I would very much enjoy covering Chris Tanev again. They're so, not yes, in I'm, that I'm traditional. They're not in that traditional. You have to be a, a, a huge buyer all in window of a clear cut contender, right? Who's been there for a few years and knows this is their window for sure. They're not there. Of course they're not. They don't have that profile. We all understand that. But I do think again. My whole point is just that. Sometimes you think you're going to be in that position in a couple of years. You know what I mean? But if that doesn't materialize, are you going to look back and be kicking yourself for not putting more resources into this team when everything is kind of firing on all cylinders right now? Yeah, look, I get it. I just there's, the, you know, there's the obvious risks involved as well. And, you know, I'd point out, for example, uh, the Florida Panthers taking an all in shot a little bit too early mm. for Ben Chirot and Claude Giroux. Right. And that costs them Owen Tippett. It costs them multiple firsts. Like, and then it diminishes your ability to buy now mm-hmm. when that team's maybe, or, 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 or buy to solve your problems, like a la Sergei Bobrovsky, you know, when, when you get to a point where you're maybe more mature. Right. Um, especially because Florida was able to make that deal, the, the Kachuk deal that sort of extended their window. And yet they'd made all these deals that limited their ceiling Mm -hmm. earlier on. And like, that's still a really good team, despite what they showed us last night. And, and I still think a team that's got a a shot at winning the cup and going deep in the playoffs, but you know, they have taken weaponry out of their arsenal. You know, I think you have to be really careful given all of the futures that this team has already spent to assemble this roster, um, spending more, especially when you've kind of already gotten to the point. You know, with the exception, like with the sole exception that Pedersen's not extended, and you've already gotten to the point where you've accomplished, you know, overwhelmingly likely to make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to see spring hockey more than likely, far more, like almost certainly in this market this year or next year uh, on the calendar this season. Like, I think you've already gotten to the point where this is gravy. And it is going to get more expensive, but if you're losing those draft picks, if you're losing Volander LeCaramacchi, you're if you're losing Pod Colson or Hoaglander or whatever else it costs you, you're you're losing the ability to problem solve going forward. Or if this team continues to improve with, you know, Hughes turning twenty five and Pedersen turning twenty six and Heronic turning twenty seven, losing weaponry that will allow you to make those deals when you're a little bit more liquid, when you're a little bit more flexible, or when the unique opportunity arises, say next season or the year after that, and you do get that perfectly timed injury, right? You know, then, then you don't have the first stout bid or the second stout bid. Um, So for me, honestly, I think it just comes down to like, if, the right piece, and maybe it is Lindholm. Maybe it's a Lindholm caliber yeah. guy, or maybe or a younger Ka- version of that. Travis Konechny is another, and he's signed for next year as well, which if, is interesting. If there's a really unique opportunity that presents itself, that's one thing, right? But I think you have to be careful about shoehorning Ben Chirot. You know I, what I'm, you okay. see what I'm saying? hundred percent. Or that's, like, no, no, but yeah. I, not Ben Chirot specifically. No, I'm no, no, saying no. Like, but that, like that. I get that. Yeah. I get that. Like I'm talking like. A legit I, guy, I get it. Right? I get it. Well, and the good thing is Rutherford gets it. Like, the good yeah. thing is is that Rutherf- whether it's Kessel, whether it's Doug Waite, like, you know, one thing I think we should have a lot of confidence in based on his track record over 20, 30 years in, in this sport, um, when he decides to go in, he buys the right guy, typically. And and the MO is at a star player. When, you, when, you, when you're looking for a finishing piece, don't go get the third line center. Don't go get the depth defenseman. Go get the star. That's like the takeaway from Rutherford's 30 years in this business. 
Um, by the way, that's a very comforting takeaway mm -hmm. because that's the right move. Well, and I think that's whether it's this year or it's in the summer, somebody texted in, you know, hey, don't do it this year. See what you have from this team in the playoffs. Use that to gather data. And then, you know, you turn to this and kind of into this mindset in the summer. I can get behind that. Well, and don't forget, too, you're you're going to have so much more value on your roster. Mm. Like, like, that's the other thing. A when point. a team is good, every – like, well, a, a rising tide floats all boats in terms at, of the value of players. Look at Brock Besser, and I would even say Connor Garland right now. And oh, I know the counting stats aren't there, but if Connor Garland is like a mainstay driving your line and that team goes to the playoffs and has like a decent showing, well, and now he's only got two years left instead of three going right, all, and the cap's going up, like that's a completely different world trying to deal Connor Garland. I'm not kidding. Connor Garland, the line between Connor Garland having no value and being a valuable asset is shows that his competitive style and ability to produce mm. even a little bit of offense works in the spring. The moment he does it, the biggest concern that anyone will have have about him as a, yep. as a as an asset, which is given his size, we're not sure that he can win at the heavy time of year. Yeah. That's it. Like that's in a line summarize why Garland's trade value is not very high. It's it's not actually the production, it's that. Yeah. That's it. Because I think ultimately, and again, whether it's this year, whether it's the summer, whatever One it is, clutch moment in the playoffs, and it's a totally different game. The frame. thing I want to I want to warn against more than anything is just this idea of the slow, patient build. Like, okay, we've got the pieces in place, and now we'll just the team will just incrementally get better every year, right? As guys, you know, as as Tockets gets a chance to work with them, and the they'll bring in Volander, and they'll bring in Lakaramaki, and Pedersen and Hughes will keep getting better, and it'll be a slow, gradual climb with this group. You're going to have to be aggressive. And I think, to your point, Rutherford understands that, right? Rutherford's M.O. is that he really understands that. Maybe it doesn't happen in season this year, right? Maybe it happens in the summer or at next year's trade deadline. But you're going to have to be willing to make some tough decisions to part with some really valuable assets, not because you don't think they're good, not because you think they're going to be busts, or not because you think the roster player isn't good, but just because that's that's what it's going to take to to make some moves. And like That's what I'm ultimately getting at here is if you think the team is good, and they've shown us that they're they're good, that I still don't think it's a case of, you know, just set it and forget it and let this team bake for a couple of years and then they'll be Stanley Cup yeah, contenders. Yeah, no, I, I'm with it's you. Still it's still going to require some big, bold moves at some point. Somebody texts in, there's nine players with no contract for next year. Do you have to be really careful selling the future when this team could look drastically different and play drastically different next year? That's an argument for you. Well, that's though. what I was going to say, yeah. right? Like, you, you're right. Like, there is, a, there is so much uncertainty and they hit home runs fleshing out the depth of this team, right? Suter, we all know the name. Suter, Bluger, Cole, Susie, Lafferty. Home runs, building out the depth. But, you know, Dakota Joshua is a UFA as well. Like, he's another guy they brought in a couple years ago. They're going to have to try to do it again this year. There's no saying that they can't do it, but do you know it's going to be as successful and as cost-effective as it was this last summer? So, again, I think that uncertainty speaks to, hey, maybe we should feel a little bit of uh, urgency here to try to go out and do something uh, and do something spectacular before the trade deadline. Gavin from Victoria says one point slightly in favor of Jamie is the soon to be OEL buyout cap hit uh, when it goes up in a couple of years. Now, yep. I like that Rutherford acknowledged that. By the way, I also think though you could say that's going to make it really, really important to have 
young cheap talent in the pipeline. Yes, it is. Right. So that kind of cut that one cuts both ways. Like, do you want to try to do your damage before it gets really onerous? Sure. Yes, but you also want to make sure you're in a position to manage that by bringing in some some cheap, effective players at the time as well. All right, let me ask you a question. How does now hypothetical? I want to. I'm. I. I so want this to be hypothetical. So, all right. Assuming Canucks management, and this is a safe assumption, has better information than us. I'm not gonna <laughs> say that's fair. <laughs> Assuming. On what did Jim pa- Benning say? You guys don't know all the details, or what? Well, I don't Something remember. like that. We don't have yeah. to get into it. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just keep it to a thank you. Yeah. On. On the Pedersen file, right? Mm-hmm. If you get to the deadline, the organization's oh going to have. Where a, are we going here? The organization's <laughs> right. going to have a way better sense of their confidence interval. Yeah. On Pedersen, how would you want to see the organization react? in a situation where they're very confident they'll get Pedersen done at the end of the season versus being like, oh, I'm I'm not feeling great about how this is going to play out. Does that change what you'd want to see in terms of buying? To me, I almost... Man, that's so tricky. Right? Sorry, it's that's so tricky. I, it's just presenting... I'm just presenting a hypothetical. I'm not trying to I sensationalize almost, anything. If you... Look, okay, so let's... Okay, on one end of the spectrum where you think you're very, very confident you're going to get him signed... I still see the case for being aggressive because he's still going to be more expensive, right? Yep. So, yes, you're going to have him locked up, and that's really, really positive, and that gives you a really strong building block going forward. But you also know that he's going to be more expensive and that there is still uncertainty surrounding the rest of your roster. The tricky thing is, if you think this is your – oh, man. If you th- if you were going into the deadline thinking that there's a, there's a strong chance this is your last year of Elias Pedersen, on the one hand, you can say – well, let's go make the most of it. Let's go do some damage. Hey, maybe let's take a swing and see. Maybe we can convince him to stay with a run. On the other hand, your mind starts to wander to or wander to like a post Pedersen future where you'd probably love to have a bunch of future assets sitting around to do some damage with. Although in a post Pedersen future, you're almost surely getting future you're gonna, assets. You're going to stock them up. Yeah. I see. I kind of think in either situation, I'm like, yeah, let's go all in. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't change things I for see. me. Let's do it. I I think you're just team. Let us have this. You just want to see this team do exciting stuff and have an exciting run. Yeah. That's fundamentally it. But I also I also think there's a legitimate chance. There's a legitimate argument to be made that with a big move, you can maximize their chances this year to win a Stanley Cup. You can make their chances to win a Stanley Cup higher this year than they will be in any of the next few seasons. Th- which like, that's ultimately what no, we're getting at. And, and I tend to, like... I'm I'm gonna read you something that um that I wrote ahead of game seven of the second round series that the Canucks played against Vegas. Mm-hmm. Right? Which is the Canucks, meanwhile, will feel like they're playing with house money, even if you never want to play with house money against a team based in the city where the house always wins. But this formulation's a misnomer. There's no such thing as house money when you're a game away from the conference final. There's only opportunity. Sure, the Canucks weren't expected to be here, but they are. On Friday, in a dual elimination game seven, they'll be just one win away from the conference final. One win, exclamation mark. No matter how bright the future may superficially appear to be, with Hughes, Pedersen, Bo Horvat, and the like in the fold, it could take years to get another opportunity like the one that lies before the Canucks on Friday night. The Canucks could do everything right from a cap perspective, win three trades in a row, draft extremely well, and still... Depending on late season injuries, puck luck, crazy goaltending performances, and the cruel whims of the hockey gods, never see an opportunity like this again. 
They did, it turns out they, by the way, they didn't do everything right. They didn't the do those things. They yeah. didn't win three trades in a row. They did not draft extremely well. And yeah. Anyway, the point stands, right? The mm-hmm. point stands. Like, even with what we've seen this year, the Canucks may not get an opportunity like that again. Like, that may have literally been the peak mm-hmm. of the Pedersen Hughes era. I hope not. This team's at least giving us reason to believe it won't be. Yep. But. So, you know, I, and that's I, what I, I guess what my point is, like, make sure it's not. Yeah. Go try to set the new peak this year. Right. I, right. And I'm here for it. But I do think you need to be careful. Given in what I see as a very difficult team to parse or pull apart reality from appearance through 30 games. Right. Like this team is outscoring their opponents by the widest margin of any team in the NHL at mm-hmm. five on five with an underlying profile that looks pretty mid. So, does this team trend toward that midpoint? Do they come back to the golden mean? Do they regress? More than likely, what does it look like then? When the margins disappear and you're not winning 4 nothing and 3-1 and m- pulling multiple shutouts off a- at home, you know, what does it look like? And, right. and for me, anyway, it comes down to if the right piece is available at the right cost, especially if you're able to absorb that right piece into LTI space, right? And if this team continues to perform at a level where you really want to put your stamp on it, if the opportunity is right, I think it makes sense, but it comes down to the player added, not the window that, you know, the the, the possibility that the window may close. You just got to do what's right in the moment if the right opportunity presents itself. For me, that's it. It's like a limited, like a surgical ad makes sense. But going in and trying to be aggressive for the sake of it, mm. that's how you make Sherratt, Giroux, and, you know, you don't win a game in the second round. Yeah. No, you need – look, don't get me wrong. You got to – if you're if you're trading these high-end assets, you need a high-end piece back yeah. to make it worth it. There's no doubt about that. And I do think the time is going to come this season, this summer, next, where you got to take a home run swing with this team while while they're in this group. Well, and whether or not the the time comes, Rutherford's going to do it. Yeah, that's a good <laughs> point. Uh, all right, quickly before we go to break and Dimitri joins us, it is Food Bank Friday. We're trying to get to $100,000 today. Last year we raised 81000 so we're trying to outstrip that. You can go to sportsnet.ca slash 650 uh, to the events page on our website to donate using the secure GVFB portal, or you can donate emoji text to three zero three 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 a carrot is five dollars a banana will donate ten dollars a heart will donate twenty five dollars again you can text those emojis carrot banana or heart to three zero three 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 we have two anonymous donors matching donations right now well one was uh matching for the first 25k the next one's matching for the next 25k so you add that to the uh, food bank buying power you're really getting a four to one impact for every dollar you donate right now. And look, the Greater Vancouver Food Bank supports more than 16,000 people monthly across Vancouver, Burnaby, New West, and the North Shore. Uh, if you are able to give, it would mean a lot at this time of year. Again, 30333 for the emojis or the events page at our website. Dmitry Filipovich from the Hockey PDO cast up next here on Sportsnet 650.
Welcome back. It's Canucks Talk Sportsnet 650. Grants is pacing around the studio for some reason. <laughs> Fretting about fantasy football. You know uh, why. You know we're why. live from the Kintec studio. 650-650 is the Dunbar Lumber text line. Dunbar Lumber. With three stores to serve you in Ladner on Bridge Street or Dunbar Lumber Express at Ladner Center or Arbutus in Vancouver online at DunbarLumber.com. Now joined in studio, as always at this time, by uh, our pal who brought us coffee today, Dmitry Filipovich from the Hockey PDO cast. What's up, man? Fellas, it's good to be here drinking coffee, talking fantasy football. Talk. Ta- Tom, unironically, to give the listeners a peek behind the curtain, just asked us, how do I match Corlin Sutton's production this week? Yeah. So that's where we're at with uh, with he, our prep for the show. Dranzer is, like, really down bad about a matchup he's going to comfortably win in the <laughs> fantasy football playoffs. It's a very high-stakes matchup. My team was a 50-point favorite before Zamir White significantly outpointed Austin Eckler and all my guys got injured. And now I'm a 20-point favorite, and what should have been easy – against a team that I scored 500 more points than this season is now going to be That's a tough. gargantuan sweat all weekend So long. you're going to get, like, PDO'd by the other team. I already am. <laughs> I already have. I already have. A fitting fate for you. Yeah, okay. You're, you know what? You're not wrong, but that doesn't make it better. I'm. I, you're right. I am down bad. The good thing about fantasy football is there's no difference between uh, between point, like, a uh, in the standings in terms of like the actual points for and 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 how many games you play because everyone's played the same number of games that's so, true so you don't have to worry mm, about it all right no, point, no point percentage, percentage. Yeah. yeah you're you're set no arguments there you sorry. guys are not making me feel better <laughs> sorry to wind you up no it's fine i'm just like the the worst part is football is going to be happening during the canucks games this because one Cause night play early yeah one mm. nice thing about this weekend is if you're a fan of brunch yes sure and everyone knows i'm a big fan yeah. of brunch Brunch and Canucks games are going to go well together um, this weekend, both afternoon games, and football's also going to be happening, so lots of screens going, and I'm just going to be so mad about football while watching hockey. It's going to be um, very interesting. Uh, okay, let's get into the Canucks schedule. We're going to skip the Wild. Yeah, we've done. We already talked about how many times have they recently. played this team? I feel like we've we've talked about it a lot, like seven times. So wasn't far that season. the first time though? That they played? Uh, I don't, I don't know. think they played. You know what? You see, the, you see the Canucks play the Wild once you've seen it. All. Yeah, every, yeah, every Wild conversation has been the exact same for the past They also played the Sharks again next yeah. week. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, that's we'll, actually a different conversation. That's true. What They've been like, on six fire. 6-2-2 in their last 10, oh. yeah. Well, they're still awful, though. But they're, they're like... They're not good, but remember when everyone was like, they're not going to get to yeah. 40 points. It's like... Eh. We drafted when they were going to win their first <laughs> that's game. That's true. That's true. Well, and, and we, like... Who won that? I think it was, I think it was I think Jamie. It was yeah. Yeah. Nice. Good for you. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> you drafted Kachuk and we both drafted Yolevi? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Anyways, we're skipping the wild. On Sunday, mm. first taste of Connor Bedard for the Canucks. Thanks, now, Eddie. is there anything good about the Blackhawks other than Connor Bedard? No, this team's bad. <laughs> this team is really, really bad. They're kind of organized. No, they're horrific. Yeah, they're bad. They're really bad. They I, got absolutely I like, stomped by I the like Korchinski. Uh, he's out too, I think. Oh. He was out last night. I don't, I'm not he? sure what his uh, what his status is. But yeah, they 
on the one hand, it's like it's making it even more impressive that Bernard's mm. actually producing at five on five specifically, right? It goes so counter what we expected, which was yeah. struggling at five on five, producing on the power Dominating play. Dominating five on four, yeah. And instead, he's actually been totally fine at five on five. Obviously, his like on ice shares aren't the best, but he's producing points there. He's carrying them. And so, yeah, I mean, it's always going to be worth tuning into the Blackhawks just to watch him play. But there's very, very little on this team otherwise to, La- to pique your interest. Yeah, last I checked, so. Bedard has 16 points, five on five, and 11 goals. And who's second on the team? Oh, God. Is it like Nick Foligno? It's like still Corey Perry. Yeah. Um, no, I, I mean, it's bad. They I, they have nothing. They have nothing. Yeah. Second is Jason Dickinson oh, with 13. Oh, there we go. Wow, Jason Dickinson revenge wow. game. Jason Dickinson, man. Jason Dickinson might be like the fourth highest Canucks scorer, five on Talking five. Talking about going and getting a difference maker. <laughs> Bring Jason Dickinson home, baby. Stop. <laughs> uh, okay, so oh, look, man. it's it's the Bedard show. We yes. all know that. You mentioned success at five on five, not necessarily expected. At kind of a more like granular level, like what are you seeing? We all knew he was going to be special, right? Like what are you seeing that's kind of surprising you if it's allowing him to have that five on five success? Yeah, I mean, that goal he scored the other night against Edmonton that went kind yeah. of viral, right? That beautiful sort of trademark shot of his mm-hmm. almost that we'd come to expect from from what he did last year in Major Junior. He hasn't really even scored that way either. Like mm-hmm. it's been in, in different, more versatile ways. And I think that bodes so well for his future because he's clearly got that in his bag. And I think once he becomes more comfortable with like NHL speed and pacing and timing and all that, and they have guys who can actually get him the puck more yeah. reliably he's going to score those goals off the rush. So the fact that he's been this productive just bodes so well for his future. I mean, he's kind of been as advertised, right? Like, despite his size and not necessarily even being the quickest guy, like, he's just able to get around the ice, protect it, make things happen. Like, there's been so many times where he's set up a teammate and they just have so little talent around him that they haven't been able to convert on it, right? So his assists don't necessarily look that amazing, but he's played well enough to have at least another five to 10 assists. So yeah, he's been, he's been the real deal. And and I have almost nothing bad to say about his game this season. So I was talking to a scout who was watching some like 14 year old, like players play. And they told me, they told me, what was the name of the guy we talked to Bukla about? The defenseman Landon DuPont. Landon DuPont. Landon DuPont. Yeah. Yeah. Of course you remember. I was going to be like, Jamie, I have no idea. Is that, guy? Is that your new guy? That's my new guy. Yeah, yeah Landon DuPont. There was also the other guy. I, I've heard the, he's sick. The, the uh, alliterative name who got called up and scored two goals. He was 14. Jake Jacobson. It was something like that. Mm. <laughs> I don't think it was quite that, but I think it was Jacobson. Jake Jacobson. It was something like that. <laughs> I got to look it up. You do that. Yeah. You guys was, keep talking while I look this up. So I was talking. Uh, Jackson Jacobson. Oh. Of course, Jackson in the WHL. <laughs> Jackson Jacobson. So I was talking. Do you guys hear, hear me? Because I don't hear myself. I hear you fine. I was I'm talking, sitting like two feet away from you. Okay. I was talking to a scout who was watching some younger kids play, 14-year-olds, and said that at about the 2008 birth date, right? So Bedard would be, uh, what, 2005? Mm-hmm. At about the 2008 birth date, everyone has the drag shot. All the top kids have the drag shot. And you have this, like, funny thing coming in the next few drafts where, like, some of the 06s, some of the 07s have it. And then by the time you get to the 08, they all have it. These guys have grown up watching Connor Bedard. It's, well, the, I, it's the Steph Curry effect. <laughs> they, right? they, they've grown up watching Austin Matthews. No, I know, it's I just know. that Bedard's the best at it, right? Like, Bedard's adopted that move the best. How exciting is what Bedard is doing as a perimeter scorer right now. And and what do you think it's going to mean 
for NHL goaltenders in in three four years when like every top prospect's coming in, not with Bedard's level of shooting, but with you know at, at least that sort of baseline trickery in their release. I mean, it must be terrifying because there's no <laughs> real way to to stop it, right? You could see you could see the Oilers goalie on that play where it's like he just didn't expect that Bedard would be able to shoot it from that position, and certainly not with that much velocity. Like he 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 was getting in his pose, he was squaring him up, and then all of a sudden the puck was just the back of the net. Yeah. And there's no if he's gonna get that off, and and I think he's gonna get it off more as the season goes along. You can tell he's kind of trying to still figure out like that those little that pattern, yeah, just stuff. how to do it against NHL defenders. He will get it, and once he does, you're kind of at his mercy in terms of like he'll either hit his spot or he won't, and he mo- most often will. And so he's just gonna, <laughs> he's gonna yeah. score a lot of goals that way, right? And and I think that was like the first time he's really done that type of goal this season he had one similar one in florida recently off the rush or earlier this season but otherwise it's been in much different ways so that's really cool what does a fired up bedard playing his hometown team look like do you think are we gonna see two points and a 6-2 loss yeah that's probably that's you that know sounds what? about right yeah that sounds about right yeah. okay so bet at, same game parlay canucks to win Bedard, anytime goal scorer. Other than everything, if you could add like one type of player mm. to help Connor Bedard, what would mm. it be? That's a really good question. Thank you. Um, well, I'd say I'd say someone, anyone with with talent for the power play would help, right? Because teams have just been able to like key in on him so much. He's really the only threat they have there. Um, in terms of five on five, the shame of Taylor Hall getting hurt is like he was a really good player in terms of like being able to match his pace and then also carry the puck sometimes so the Bedard can kind of get lost and then all of a sudden pop up in the offensive zone wide open. Now he just has to do all of the puck transportation himself, right? So maybe just someone with a bit more sort of pace and, and puck carrying ability to their game. So Someone elite. Like realistically what we want to see is Bedard find his Dreisaitl or his Rantanen. And the thing is they've drafted like a lot of very intriguing Macklin forwards the past couple of years. No, but but even the guys they've already drafted, right? Yeah. Um, the past like two drafts, they I think there's at least three or four guys that that conceivably fit that bill within the next couple of years. So, um, it'll be a bit. I mean, the rest of the season is going to be pretty pretty rough for him. Yeah. Um, but he's also distanced himself so much. Like I had this question on my show recently where it was like, can anyone challenge him for the Calder and? and Really, a lot of the competitions sort of fallen off. And, and Vegas doesn't think so. He's like minus four fifty. Yeah, and then I think second is like Luke Hughes at like minus one thousand or something, yeah. or plus, plus one thousand. Sorry, yeah, it's no. like it's it's ten to one at least. Yeah, yeah. twenty four points in twenty nine games, twelve goals, so on pace to hit thirty as a as a seventeen year or as an eighteen year old player. Uh, pretty amazing stuff yeah. from the North Van Phenom. All right, so after that, they go to see one of your favorite teams. The Dallas Stars. No, oh. the Nashville Predators. Well, whatever. We're not okay. talking about Nashville. Although, you know what? Let's let's just quickly say Nashville's playing better. They are. Yeah. Uh, is there anything real there? Anything substantial? No, I think it's what we expected. Yeah. So kind of an ec- ec- fun. eclectic group. Yeah. It's been fun. It's much more fun than it was previously. But yeah, yeah I think the ceiling on them is pretty capped for this season. Yeah. And then Dallas is a team that you love. Last time we saw them play in Vancouver they got shut out yeah but that's a team with a pretty good five-on-five profile I'm I'm still fading them as like a real contender you should tell listeners we had a heated as heated as you and I will get because we're, we're such best buds that we generally agree on our takes but we had a heated Dallas Stars debate over text message last week that's true we did I'm 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 I don't think they're a contending team yeah I don't think they're a contender I think they're a pretender tier like they're good, don't get me wrong, but I think they're in that like eight to twelve best eighth to twelfth best team mix where 
you know, you're, you can make the playoffs, you can make the conference final, but you're not going to win anything. Yeah, I was willing to concede your point that they might be like the fifth best team in the Western Conference. Yeah. But that might also be the fifth best team in the NHL uh, right now. So um, I definitely think they're the fifth best team in the Western Conference. Like, I think there's three teams in the Pacific better than them, plus Colorado. But I don't think there's anyone in the East right now, at least. I think New Jersey could get there and, and yeah. the Rangers potentially. I don't think Carolina. there's any. I don't think there's any team in the East that's like head and shoulders above them. Like I think you could make a reasonable argument that they're better than any East team, which yeah. just speaks to sort of the power imbalance right now, which yeah, is much different on? than it felt like last year, right? Where a big talking point was every time East yeah. and West play head to head, the East is just mopping the floor with them. And now it feels like I don't know what the head to head record is this year, but just in terms of like if you're doing a power rankings, it feels like so much of the top resides in the West. And I, I do think the Pacific is the gauntlet, like. I thought the Pacific was going to be a gauntlet in the middle of the division. Like, I, I thought that Calgary and Seattle yeah. would be a lot better than they were. I didn't think Vancouver would be as good as they were, but, I, I you know, I, I, I at least thought they had that ceiling. And and now I sort of look at it, and I still buy Edmonton as an elite team. I, I, I definitely buy L.A. as, like, I actually think L.A. is the best team in the Pacific. And then Vegas, we know what they are. And now the Canucks, I think, are, like, you know, absolutely in that – sort of rangers tier of like are better than their underlying profile sustainably do mm-hmm. a lot of things well and have a ton of outs like they're a dangerous team at the very least whether they're a contender or not um there's no division that's as scary to me as that like that's the that's the best top end uh, of a division in hockey i'd take it ahead of what we're seeing in the atlantic even we were just running through like the canucks possible playoff opponents and it's basically like Whoever wins the central, if they drop down to the to the if second Edmonton wild card, them, yeah. yeah, or Vegas, L.A. or Edmonton, right. so like like best case scenario, you're like playing Connor McDavid only on Dreisaitl, and I would even say from an, from the other team's perspective, like if they run into healthy Thatcher Demko and Elias Pettersson and Quinn Hughes and J.T. Miller, yeah, no, it sucks. no one's like, oh, good, a good first round matchup for us. Like that's a that's not what you want either. Although although in their shoes, you know, it's like you're the only way to duck a matchup against one of the five best teams in the leagues to play the Canucks who are probably, you know, in that eight to 12 range like Dallas. Yeah. It's going to be tough. It's going to be a tough road out of the Pacific. Takeaways from this logic. You agree with this basic, the basic thrust of this? I do. I do. Yeah. I think you said that well. Okay. Good job. Let's go. Um, (laughs) Okay. So the draft today. All right. Are we getting into it already? We're going to get into it already because we need some time to let it, to let it sit. We need 12 days. To let it sit, because we're going to do a Christmas draft. <laughs> Holiday draft, if you prefer. We're going to just... Should, now, hold on, hold on, hold on. Should we draft the gifts from the 12 days of Christmas? Oh. No, because they're all just birds. Oh, I mean, look, I know what number one is. It's five golden rings. Yeah, but can't only... can't pass that up. You know, you can't pass that up, especially because all of the other ones are waterfowl. <laughs> you know, like... Or, like, people. Yeah, like actual people. Well, and I'd take the people because I don't want to house birds. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, if, some, if someone brings me, a, you know, whatever, like eight. I guess I'll take my French hens back to the store. <laughs> See what I'm saying? <laughs> Good thing I kept the receipt. Like It's like, it's like, oh, yay, thanks. I totally have space in my apartment for those. <laughs> all right. All right. Set so, no, what we're going to do. We're not drafting waterfowl. We're drafting Christmas things. Okay. So, this can okay. be Christmas a Christmas activity. Yeah. This can be a Christmas snack. This can be a Christmas song. Thank you for elucidating what a thing is for us. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm just letting you know it's broad. It's a big, it's a 
big uh, big tent category. Could it also be outerwear slash pants that you would wear on Christmas? It, it could be outerwear slash pants that you would wear on Christmas. Like yes. matching pajamas with there your family yeah. is a totally That's acceptable. Really yeah. Toblerone, like just like Toblerone. Yeah. That's fine. You want to get specific with it? You want to get a little saucy? Get a fruit and nut Toblerone? That's fine. Draft right. whatever you want, Christmas things. Okay. Jamie goes first. Okay. Uh, I am going to take Christmas music. The oh. whole category of Christmas music. You can't take music. the whole category. It has to be more specific than that. It's okay. a broad category. Can I only get one song? No. Well, he, if he, he can't take <laughs> the all of the songs. Why not? No, I just did. No, you didn't. Okay. Okay. Christmas um, things. I think we not, should let him take the full thing. The absolutely full not. I, there's a song that I absolutely Well, nobody require. can take one. Who's going to pick one song? I was. <laughs> That's insane. You're just going to listen to it on a loop? No, I just want, there's one right. Christmas song I that brings me lots of joy. I am going to take uh, Decorating the Christmas Tree, first overall. That's good. Decorating the Christmas nice. Tree. Yeah. Very good. When Thank when you. do you when do you do that? When do you we think is appropriate? Have you guys talked about this? We did it on... Oh man, I forget if it was the second or third or the weekend of the ninth or the tenth. Okay, I so think for, the, for, around I think first was, week of the it month. Was like we, I think we got it like Friday the eighth. Yeah, nice. Yeah. You think that like late November is too early? Uh, my concern is always just that I don't want the needles falling right. off. Oh, I see. I have a fake tree. See, so yeah, I have problem. like an IKEA have, one that we just. Oh no, take if you have a fake tree, and, just go nuts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nuts whenever you I, feel I, like I it. Put, I put mine up before we went to Seattle, like before nice. American Thanksgiving. It was great. I like sitting by the Christmas tree with the lights on. Makes me feel cozy. I love it. Yeah. It's, it's fantastic. Just sit there, stare at the Christmas tree. <laughs> it rules. Glass of wine. Fantastic. I'm going to go home and do that right now. Uh, all right. <laughs> Dimitri, second. Mm, okay. I'm going to go with Christmas Day basketball. Mm, wow. Very strong. Because that's how I like to spend my time with my family <laughs> wishing that I was focusing more on them as I <laughs> sit by the TV watching the games. I, I, I love that. Christmas Day football this year. Oh, yeah. It's going to be good. Draymond Green gets to see his family for Christmas this year. It's nice. <laughs> Him and DK Metcalf <laughs> hanging out. Um, okay, I'm going to pick a single song. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Such a bad pick. That's a horrible pick. Just calling a shot. Okay, maybe I'll save it because no one's going to pick it. Um, okay, I'm taking Eggnog. Oh, nice. All right. Very good choice. Big Nog guy. Yeah, me too. I like it with some... Rum, a little bit of cinnamon sprinkled on top, maybe some nutmeg if you got it. Um, my wife once accidentally put jerk spice on my uh, on my nog, and now that's become a thing I also enjoy because it's got cinnamon, it's got some nutmeg, it's got some spice. Kick it up, delicious, big nog guy. So I'm gonna take nog, and then I'm gonna take advent calendars. Ooh, the choice. I I like the thing I like about advent calendars is it is it encourages you to eat one candy a day. Yeah. And, then, and there just aren't many things in life that are like, hey, you know what you need today? Chocolate. Got to do it. You got to keep up. You're like, oh boy, I'm falling behind on my chocolate. <laughs> do you actually have that discipline or are you f- falling behind sometimes and then all of a sudden you're finding yourself in a spot where you're eating three or four at once? I, I usually, like the thing is I usually go away for Christmas. Mm-hmm. So usually I get to like the 19th. And then we're flying out and leaving, and I'm not going to bring the whole calendar. So then I get to eat them all, um, like the day before. That's that's I like that. Day. All right, eggnog and advent calendars. Yep, Dimitri. Okay, I'm going to take time off for the holidays. That's, that's a good one. Wow, that's, that's a, a big strong pick. answer. You know what <laughs> I love? Pick. Not working. 
That's really, really so good. So that I could focus on watching basketball. <laughs> yeah. See, Drans would be like, you have to pick one day off. You can't take the whole concept of time off. Yeah, no, you can't. <laughs> uh, no, no, I'm fine with time I'm gonna off. I'm going to take That's all fine. the days off associated with Christmas the holidays. Break. Yes. Yeah, Chris- Christmas break, something specific. Yes. Okay, sure. Uh, I'm going to take Christmas dinner because I love food. Uh, and then um, I can't believe this is – well, I was, I'm was. i trying to decide how cheesy I want to be here. But I'll, for my last pick, I'll choose giving presents. Oh. I like that because it's great. Yeah, I'm going to choose good. receiving presents. <laughs> Fair. And God, this draft made me sound like the, 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 the worst <laughs> person. Here's what I want to do. <laughs> Time off work. watching basketball I'm and receiving it. presents. I want people to bring me presents. <laughs> Oh, I was going to go really cheesy and be like the spirit of togetherness, oh, but no. I'll just say How giving, dare you. giving presents. Um, and uh, I'm going to pick one song <laughs> for my final pick, and the song is God Rest Ye Merry Gentlemen. <laughs> Which is now, what... is it a specific recording or just the no, song? No, 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 no. Uh, uh, specifically, it's when it like comes on, because all the other Christmas songs are like, you know, Run, Run, Rudolph, or like Peppy, that, or like that, Happy. There, that's not true. There are so many other <laughs> chill songs beyond God Rest You Merry Gentlemen. <laughs> run, Run, Rudolph. What do you mean? What do you mean? What do you mean? There Silent n- Night? Silent Night, Holy Night. It's like fun. And then you get to God Rest You Merry Gentlemen. It's fun. And it's like, to save us all from Satan's power when we have gone astray. It's the only Christmas song like that, and it gets me fired up every year. So Drance is sitting with his advent calendar, drinking eggnog, and listening to God Rest You Merry Gentlemen. A, that's a good draft, but let's acknowledge he was going to use his first pick. <laughs> oh, God Rest You Merry Gentlemen. Well, God Rest You Merry Gentlemen is like the most important part of the holidays to me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That was great. Great stuff, guys. Good draft. We will leave it there. Have a great weekend. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy. Enjoy the, uh, enjoy the games. We're back on Monday here on Sportsnet 650.